Welcome to the Bible in the News. This is Passover week, or Pesach. The biblical festival commemorates the coming out of Egypt of the Israelites following the slaying of the Egyptian firstborn and the deliverance of the Israelites over whose house the angel of death passed over. The family of Israel had gone into Egypt to escape the famine in the land of Canaan under God's command to Jacob in Genesis 46 verses 2 to 4. And God spake to Israel in the vision of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation, and I will go with thee into Egypt, and I will surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Joseph's journey into Egypt, although very difficult for him, had been orchestrated by God to ensure the nation of Israel would be delivered from the famine. Joseph had risen to prominence and was second only for Pharaoh, having helped the Egyptians survive the famine also. God had made good on his promise, as is recorded in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 7, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. However, the seeds of jealousy and anti-Semitism soon arose among the Egyptians. We read, Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are become mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they will join our enemies and fight against us. So they get them up out of the land. Well, the story of the Passover is the record of how God turned the hearts of the Israelites back towards their God, to the patriarchs, and to the promises, and then delivered them out of the land of bondage. As Jews all over the world, and those in Israel, gather to celebrate Passover, a tray of matzot, or unleavened bread, is brought out. The father lifts the tray of bread and says, This is the bread of affliction that our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Whoever is hungry, come let him eat, and whoever is in need, let him come and conduct the cedar of Passover. This year we are here, next year in the land of Israel. This year we are slaves, next year we will be free people. Then the youngest boy asks, Ma Nishtana, or what makes this night different from all other nights? after which the father relates the story of the Passover and the bringing of the Israelites out of Egypt by the power of Almighty God. This is the Haggadah, or the telling of the story of Passover. Following this, the family participates in the Passover meal. During the Zfun Barak portion of the Haggadah, which is the prayer given after the meal, it includes this request. May the merciful one send us Elijah the prophet, May he be remembered for good, and may he bring us good tidings, salvation, and consolation. This is based on a section of Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, which reads, Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb, for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 
Many Jewish families will set a place for Elijah the prophet, or pour a fifth cup of wine which is left for him in anticipation of the fulfillment of this passage, awaiting the time when he will come to bring them back to the land and prepare the way for Mashiach, or the Messiah. Well, the Passover meal ends with a millennia-old Hebrew prayer, Lashana Haba'ah Berushalayim, next year in Jerusalem. Lashana Haba'ah Berushalayim Habniyah, next year in Jerusalem, the rebuilt. Well, doesn't this little prayer pose a problem for the politicians of the world? especially President Obama, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and Vice President Joseph Biden, who would like to see Jerusalem as the capital of a Palestinian state. Returning after thousands of years of exile, coming out of countries from all over the world, being brought back to the land of Israel in fulfillment of Bible prophecy and in answer to the prayer of centuries, Israelis are determined to rebuild Jerusalem as they have prayed for for millennia. This isn't just a nationalistic ambition, it's the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. The prophet Daniel writes about the time period of the treading down of the sanctuary and the host in Daniel 8 verse 13. This period has now expired. In June 1967, Jerusalem was wrestled from the hands of the Gentiles and put clearly in the hands of God's people. The prophets have spoken and the Jews are back in Jerusalem and it is being rebuilt. However, some politicians are determined to stop the work. The BBC reported of Clinton on March the 12th, the U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton has sharply rebuked Israel over its recent decision to build new settlements in East Jerusalem. She made it clear that the Israeli government needed to demonstrate not just through words but through specific actions they are committed to this relationship and to the peace process. The Israeli government has held fast. WorldNet Daily reported a member of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's ruling Likud party slammed as racist President Obama's policies against Jewish construction in the West Bank and Eastern Jerusalem. I think it is racist, stated Likud Knesset member Danny Danon. Can you imagine someone in the U.S. saying Hispanics or blacks or Muslims cannot build in a certain city? What we see now, coming from the Obama administration, telling the Jews not to build in major parts of Jerusalem is unacceptable, said Danon. Danon charged most Israelis see Obama as biased towards the Palestinian side. Danny Danon is also reported as stating, For many years we had a clear policy from both left and right-wing governments, Jerusalem is united. We have to be very clear. We will build everywhere in Jerusalem. We don't need approval not from the Palestinians, and not even from our close ally, the U.S. administration. Responding to Washington's response to halt any settlement work, including what Israel calls natural growth, another MK and minister of the Israeli government responded this week, the demand to prevent natural growth in settlements is unreasonable and is akin to Pharaoh's demand that all the firstborn sons be thrown into the river Nile. Hershowitz was quoted by Ynet as saying on Israel, What will we say to the family living with one child, which now has four or five children? That the children will have to move to Pita Tikva? The Americans must understand that this is an unreasonable demand, and we must confront them firmly, he added. M.K. Danon was quoted by The Economist as stating, As Jews around the world prepare to celebrate Pesach, The festival of freedom, President Obama's condescending and insulting behavior, reminds us of how we were treated by Pharaoh in Egypt. 
Danan said President Obama must understand that we are a sovereign nation in our own land and won't bow to foreign rulers. The minister responsible for building, Eli Yishai, was reported by Jerusalem Post as stating, I thank the creator of the world for giving me this honor of being the minister who builds thousands of homes in the holy Jerusalem. Well, although the Catholic Church currently has its hand on the rudder of American policy in the persons of Clinton, Biden, and Mitchell, America has a role clearly outlined in prophecy. We read in Isaiah 60, verses 9 to 10, Surely the isles shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish first, to bring thy sons from far, their silver, their gold with them, unto the name of the Lord thy God, and to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. And the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls, and their kings shall minister unto thee. For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor I have had mercy on thee. Regardless of the current position or the policy of the government, America, who is identified with the ships of Tarshish in this passage, will not only bring the sons of Israel to the land, but will be involved in building up the walls, as Hiram king of Tyre was during the reign of Solomon. In the future reign of Messiah, America will be dominated by the kingdom of Israel. We read of the Messiah in Psalm 72, verses 8 to 11, He shall have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. Interestingly, the lawmakers of the American Congress reminded the Obama administration of the ties between Israel and America this past week. The Jerusalem Post reported that in Washington, 327 congressmen, three-quarters of the House of Representatives, signed a bipartisan letter to U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton expressing solid support for Israel and the expectation that differences between Jerusalem and Washington will be smoothed over quickly and in private. They wrote, We are writing to reaffirm our commitment to the unbreakable bond that exists between our country and the state of Israel, and to express to you our deep concern over recent tension. A strong Israel is an asset to the national security of the United States and brings stability to the Middle East. We are concerned that the highly publicized tensions in the relationship will not advance the interests the U.S. and Israel share. Above all, we must remain focused on the threat posed by the Iranian nuclear weapons program to the Middle East peace and stability. The latter stated that the U.S. unswerving commitment to Israeli security has been essential in forging previous Arab-Israeli peace agreements, both because it convinced those who sought Israel's destruction to abandon any such hope, and because it gave successive Israeli governments the confidence to take calculated risks for peace. Well, John Thomas, author of Alpha's Israel, wrote of Britain and the Tarshish power of whom America is a young lion in 1848. He wrote, I know not whether the men who at present contrive the foreign policy of Britain entertain the idea of assuming sovereignty of the Holy Land and promoting its colonization of the Jews. We could state the same thing of those who contrive the foreign policy of America and its treatment of the Jews in the land today. 
Thomas continues, Their present intentions, however, are of no importance one way or the other, because they will be compelled by events soon to happen to do what under existing circumstances heaven and earth combined could not move them to attempt. The present decisions of statesmen are destitute of stability. A shooting star in the political firmament is sufficient to disturb all the forces of their system and to stultify all their theories of their political astronomy. The finger of God has indicated a course to be pursued by Britain, and we might add her young line America, which cannot be evaded, and which her counsellors will not only be willing but eager to adopt when the crisis comes upon them. The decree has long since gone forth, which calls upon the line of Tarshish to protect the Jews. So while Jews throughout the world celebrate Passover and join their voices in the prayer, next year in Jerusalem, the rebuilt, we should also pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the coming of the Messiah and of Elijah, who will herald his arrival on the scene. Our prayer should echo Psalm 102, verses 12 to 22. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever and thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones, and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth his glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute, and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven did the Lord behold the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion, and his praise in Jerusalem, when the people are gathered together, and the kingdoms to serve the Lord." So we understand that God will hear the Passover prayer to rebuild Jerusalem, and it will not be despised. He will hear the groaning of the prisoners who are scattered throughout the world, and return them to the land, so that his name will be declared in Zion when his people are gathered to him, and all kingdoms around the world will serve the Lord. In fact, as we have read earlier, the kings of Tarshish will bring gifts, and the sons of the strangers will build the walls of Zion, of Jerusalem, instead of trying to block God's people from taking pleasure in her stones. In reality, though, it will be the Almighty God that will build Zion, and he will put the seat of his government there, as he states in the second psalm, I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, and we might add presidents, and be instructed, ye judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. The prophet Micah describes his coming day, when the kingdom of Israel will be restored, and the Messiah, the son of David, or Mashiach ben David, will sit upon the throne in Jerusalem. In chapter 4 we read, In the last days it shall come to pass, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the house of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then world peace will be achieved. 
We read, They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And the Passover prayer will be fully realized, for the rest of the diaspora, still living in Gentile lands, will be returned. In that day, saith the Lord, I will assemble her that halteth, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted, and I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast off a strong nation, and the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forever. So, this year we are here, next year in the land of Israel. This year we are slaves, next year we will be free people. Let us echo the prayer of the Passover. Lashana Haba'ah Berushalayim Habnuyah. Next year in Jerusalem, the rebuilt. Join us next week for another edition of The Bible in the News. This has been Jonathan Bowen joining.